This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Support for MPB comes from Trustmark, a financial partner for businesses throughout the South for 130 years. Trustmark offers a range of products and services designed to help small businesses efficiently manage finances. More info at Trustmark.com, member FDIC. From MPB Think Radio, this is Money Talks. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, President of New Perspectives and Ryder Tapp, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. Nancy and Ryder are both chartered financial analysts. Ryder holds the Certificate in Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. We've got an open topic show today, so what's on your mind? Stimulus payments? The lottery? Unemployment benefits? Maybe you need a personal finance question answered. Contact us by email. Our address is money at mpbonline.org. So good morning to uh, everyone. Our show is financial news to share, so we'll jump right in. Uh, Ryder, we, while we were off for a New Year's break, Congress passed another economic impact payment. Remind us who was supposed to get what. All right. Uh, Nancy, maybe you can take that one. I would be happy to. So if you got a payment last time, um, you will get a payment this time. It will be probably about half of what you got last time. If you recall, before it was $1,200 per person. This time it is 600 per person. But the same guidelines apply for a single person or single household up to 75000 of income. For a couple, it's going to be 150000 at which point it starts to phase out. And I know I saw something uh, online during the break that said that the checks were going to start hitting bank accounts on January 1st, so I checked mine, and mine actually did arrive on the 1st, although with you know direct deposit, it, it, I didn't even realize it so I, until I went back and looked. But I've gotten mine uh, and actually have spent some of it, uh, so trying to, to stimulate uh, the economy there with, uh, with <laughs> a purchase or two. Well, good for you. We know, Kevin, that some um, of those deposits went to the wrong accounts. So they have had a little bit of a kerfluffle in getting those out. So just watch your account uh, and make sure that, that yours does show up. So I guess I'm one of the lucky ones that uh, has received mine, but uh, there is a way that people can check on their payments. Uh, I think there's an IRS tool. Um, yes, there is. I don't have that in front of me, um, but that was used last time so you could track your payments along the way. Yeah, I think it's called the Get My Payment Tool. Uh, you could probably find it at uh, irs.gov. Uh, okay. Uh, Ryder, good morning. Uh, what are some of the uh, news stories out there? That There are some news stories that payments have gone missing. Um, who may be entitled to a payment but hasn't gotten theirs yet? Um, yeah, so... Again, we've seen some trouble with folks who, you know, some of the same brackets of folks who had trouble receiving the uh, stimulus payment last time. Uh, of course, you know, if you have, you know, kind of been filing taxes regularly, uh, been doing uh, direct deposit for your refund, you know, you're kind of in the easy bracket. Uh, folks who are in the tougher bracket is maybe you've just moved, you know, a big issue last year was folks who are in college 
um, there was just like this weird gap of folks who was were not eligible. Um, so folks who were in college maybe have moved to their filing taxes for the first time. Uh, maybe those folks are, are are you know kind of behind on receiving payments. And of course the same uh, folks who are particularly on Social Security or uh, do not make the income uh, required to file taxes. They've seen uh, similar to last year uh, similar backups. Uh, our producer, Liz Gill, uh, tells me the IRS has an active Twitter account, so if someone is looking for where their payment might be, that's a way that they can track that. There are tips on there. Um, also, it says that uh, maybe if you used one of the uh, tax uh, software, uh, tax preparation software packages that maybe TurboTax and HR Block uh, customers are having a bit of a trouble. Have you heard mm. anything about that? So that's interesting. I haven't heard related to the tax software. Uh, one issue, if some tax preparation companies, you know, particularly some of these, um, you know, they you, you, you see folks on the side of the road advertising, get your, get your tax refund fast, and it's kind of just a storefront that's just popped up to process taxes. Uh, they do a brisk business. Uh, pushing through a lot of taxes, but um, how they do it, how they get people's refunds fast is essentially they have the tax uh, refund directed to their own bank account, and so they are willing, you know, once they kind of calculate what that refund will be, they're willing to put out some of that refund, um, give some of that refund as an advance or a loan. So folks who have gone to those uh, kind of storefront tax prep uh, locations, particularly any that does offer the service of giving you money up front, then those those repayments may have gone to that company's bank account. Um, that was a huge fiasco last time, and um, you know I know a lot of them were able to end up getting that money out, but you know it's just it's just a weird thing to see, and it's not something they were set up to process in the first place. Yeah, it uh, says that uh, at least H&R Block is uh, helping out or responding. Uh, if uh, customers who haven't received their stimulus money can contact the H&R Block at 800-HR-BLOCK or at HR Block Answers on Twitter. So there is some help out there. Um, <clears throat> Nancy, if uh, folks haven't gotten their EIB by direct deposit, what are some other ways that they would get it? Can they get a debit card? Is that how they did it last time? Yes, there were debit cards. And, um, and I think we even heard of some cases of checks going out, but mostly debit cards. And the problem with that is that people didn't realize that's what it was. Um, they thought it was just, oh, it's just another credit card offer in the mail. So be very careful when you see something like that show up. Make sure you read it to see if that is your stimulus payment. And, Ryder, I think I remember hearing that if someone never received the first round of, uh, of uh, stimulus, that uh, they, something they can do on their, their tax return for this year. Am I correct on that? Yes. Yeah, so uh, while I have not seen the kind of forms and how you will file for it, I think it was the idea was partially was something along the lines of it, it being an advance credit on this year's on 2020 taxes. So of course you don't file your 2020 taxes until um, you know April 15th, 2021 is the first deadline. And so that would be something, I don't know if you would have to indicate it or it would be automatic. I don't know how it will look, but yes, it would be part of your, the refund you get in 2021 for the year 2020. 
And again, hopefully if uh, folks have had trouble with either the first or the second round of uh, stimulus payments, uh, irs.gov might be a good uh, source to go to to try to find information. I'm sure they have an FAQ there. Uh, before we take a break, uh, Saturday, Liz Gill, producer, uh, informs me, is Use Your Gift Card Day. Um, Nancy, did you, what, what's your thought on gift cards, and did you get any for Christmas oh, this year? Oh, gosh, I, I didn't get any. <laughs> um, I gave some out. Um, and uh, the problem with gift cards is you've got to make sure if you are the giver that the recipient will use the card, you know, that it's, it's to some store that they will frequent. And, um, you know, I've gotten cards before that I think, well, I'm not going to go there. And so it ends up in a drawer and I never use it. Now, one thing that has changed through the years is those gift cards should still hold their value. And before, those companies were allowed to really degrade those cards with time. And so many people found that they were expired and boom, it's worthless. But um, so dig around and find some of those old gift cards and make use of them. If you don't use them, there are sites you can go to and actually sell them for a discount to the value and get something out of them as far as cash. Yeah, I would recommend uh, if you are giving a gift card and you're not sure of what uh, where folks shop or whatever, to go ahead and get uh, one of the Visa or MasterCard ones or p- possibly at a big box store that sells all kind of different uh, different things. Ryder, any thoughts on gift cards? Um, similar to Nancy, you know, kind of when you receive them, it, it, even if it's a place, I've received gift cards to places that I do shop at. But if it's not, you know, a gift card isn't going to be something I keep in my wallet or I keep with me. And so I'll go to that place and I just won't, I won't have it with me or I won't use it. Um, so it, it can be difficult to use them. So I kind of like the idea of like, this is the weekend where you just, just grab those gift cards and, and actually use them. Um, so some places, particularly online sites, uh, Amazon is pretty helpful with this. You can just load gift cards onto your account um, so that it'll automatically use them instead of you having to key it in you know, at the time of purchase. So you may always just kind of have some credit floating around there. Uh, but yeah, that's that my only advice for using gift cards is you just got to use them. My issue is I always end up like with a dollar twenty-five or you know seventy-nine cents on them. So I imagine if I were to collect mine up and probably get five or six of them, I might get you know five dollars or whatever. So um, it's your couch cushion change. That's right. That's that's a good point, right? It's the the twenty-first century version of of couch cushions. Uh, it coins in there. So. If you have a question for our experts, you can send an email to money at mpbonline.org. We're discussing recent financial news and taking your personal finance questions. We've got two app suggestions for you next. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio.
Hi, Larry Morrissey with the Arts Commission, reminding you to tune in for the Arts Hour. We have in-depth conversations with Mississippi artists, writers, musicians, and other creatives. The Mississippi Arts Hour every Sunday at 5 on MPB Radio or download it as a podcast. The information presented on Money Talks is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information presented does not create any type of relationship between the hosts and guests and the listening audience. Please consult a financial advisor or any other qualified professional for guidance about your personal finance questions. to Money Talks. Our website, moneytalks.mpbonline.org, is one way to hear past Money Talks broadcasts. You can also download the MPB Public Media app and listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand to all the MPB Think Radio shows. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, President of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taff, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. The Mississippi Department of Employment Security has the two... The two-file UI to assist filing for unemployment. MDES also has Mississippi Works to assist in job searching. So a couple of uh, apps there that you might find useful if you're in that situation. Uh, before we leave, talk about the stimulus payments. Uh, Tom is on the line. Good morning, Tom. Go ahead, please. Yes, I have one uh, follow-up uh, comment and then a question. Uh, last time uh, the stimulus payments went out i received a gift card and it seemed to take quite a while before i received that uh this time i received a check and it was pretty quick uh just to follow up on what nancy was saying so i guess it could be either one uh my question i have my sister my wife has a sister 76 years old that uh, was living with her son and daughter-in-law uh and only has her Social Security as income. She said she did not get a stimulus payment last time because the son and daughter-in-law were claiming her as a dependent. I don't know exactly how that works, whether that's caretaker or whatever. So I don't know exactly how that works on income tax because I don't have anything like that. The other is uh, she has since moved to a nursing home this past year, 2020. Uh, Should she be getting a uh, stimulus payment now? Well, the catch there is um, if she is listed as a dependent on someone else's taxes, the tax filer is the one who gets the uh, stimulus payment. And so that's where she was left out. Now that she has moved to a nursing home, my question would be maybe they can no longer uh, list her as a dependent if that's the case. And, of course, we have to ask the question, at what point during the year did she move to the nursing home? Was it at the beginning of the year? Did she have a full year or was part of the year still as a dependent? Um, I think probably that family needs to check with the IRS and also look at how they are filing their taxes now. But if she is filing on her own or not filing simply because she doesn't have enough income, um, as in the Social Security is all she has, she still should qualify. Okay. And that, uh, I guess the if she went, when her son and daughter-in-law received the payment, it would have been would have been a child's portion, the $300? No, no, no. It would have been no. back then? No. Um, if you... 
Mm -mm. Dependents uh, only qualify for a portion if they are 16 or under. Okay. All right, so, so it only is, she could only get a payment if she's been in the nursing home for the full year or... Well, possibly, but here again, you need to check with the IRS, to, and also um, that family needs to look at what they are still doing as far as their tax filing. Okay. All right, I thank you. Thanks. Good luck. Thank you, Tom. Thanks. Good to hear from you. Uh, so let's turn our attention to unemployment uh, benefits. Uh, the uh, Mississippi, there is news that Mississippi will participate in the Mixed Earners Unemployment Compensation Program. Uh, the program provides an additional $100 per week in supplemental compensation to individuals receiving unemployment benefits. So, Nancy, have you heard about this, and do you have some details for us, possibly? Well, just a little bit. And, um, of course, what we ran into this last year is that a lot of people are self-employed or your contract people or consultants. And so you're not paying into the unemployment system. And in normal times, you would not qualify for any kind of benefit. Well, we saw that opened up uh under the CARES Act so that we could give some benefits to those people. And this is another way to address some of those self-employed people who have earnings, self-employed earnings of 5000 or more, that they may qualify for that additional $100 a week. Know that in Mississippi, um, we have the lowest benefits of any state in the country. I think our maximum weekly benefit is about 235 Our minimum is 106 so these additional benefits, whether it's through the state program or now, they finally came back and uh, before they were giving an extra 600 a week through federal, that is now changed to 300 a week. And that really helps a lot of people. And we know, Kevin, if we look back at economic impact, those extra unemployment benefits had more of an impact on our economy, keeping it up, than the stimulus payments because about half of the stimulus payments were used for savings or to pay down debt, and we needed that to go back in the economy. So helping unemployed people is the biggest thing we can do. So uh, this uh, uh, program will cover uh, the benefit is payable for weeks of unemployment beginning with the week ending January 9th, 2021, ending March 13th, 2021. Uh, to be eligible, you have to have one of the following benefit programs, regular state and unemployment compensation, unemployment compensation for federal employees, unemployment compensation for ex-service members, pandemic emergency unemployment compensation, extended benefits trade adjustment allowances, disaster unemployment assistance, and self-employment assistance. Another criteria, you have received at least $5,000 in net self-employment income, uh, and you have to submit documentation uh, substantiating uh, their self-employment income. So as Nancy, as you mentioned, uh, some help not only to those uh, in the workforce, but uh, those that are self-employed as well. And, Kevin, let me just say that a lot of people who are unemployed are running into problems as they file because they have to certify every week that they still don't have a job, and they have to say that um, I've been looking for a job, and they have to show support for where they've been looking for a job. Well, how do you do that in the middle of this? Or if you're a contract person where all of your contracts have disappeared and they're not coming back until this pandemic ends, I, I think, for instance, of a mus musician and all of those gigs are gone. Well, how do you say, yeah, I, how, how do I 
show support that I've still been out there trying to beat the doors down and find a job. So we have some problems out there with that system, and I'd love to hear from um, some of our local employment people on how to deal with that. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. We've got a caller on the line, so let's say good morning to John in South Haven. John, you're on the air with us. Go ahead. Good morning, and thanks for taking my call. Sure. Uh, My question is this. Uh, I sold a mutual fund last year, and I'm just curious to know, do quarterly fees that I've paid to that mutual fund over the last 15 years count toward the basis for my uh, tax purposes? Which quarterly fees are you talking about, John? For the mutual fund, it was a point five four quarterly or you know yearly fee on the total uh, amount in the mutual fund each year, paid yeah. quarterly. Now no. I know that the cost of the reinvested shares goes into the basis, but do the quarterly fees or the yearly fees for the mutual fund count toward the basis to take away my gain? No. Ah. No, and, and, and because those aren't something you pay separately. That's not uh, like a separate out-of-pocket investment expense. Um, what they do uh, is, you know, say the underlying portfolio returned 10%, and, uh, you know, you had a fee of 1%, so your return was 9%. What it does, you know, I guess from a tax perspective, is reduce the amount of gain uh, in that way, but it's not something where you can go back and add up the quarterly fee you charged. And I, I mean, I think that would be an impossible task anyway. Um, no, I, I did it. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm impressed, but, um, you know, but so, I mean, again, I'm, I'm assuming this is not something that was invoiced to you. Is that correct? Yeah. The, it was the fee, uh, was shown as a percentage Right. So it's the expense of the fund. Yes. Right. So as a fund expense, I mean, you can come up with an estimate. Yeah, no problem. Um, but uh, knowing what exactly that was to you, again, I'm, I'm skeptical. Um, but again, that would have just played into that reduces the total amount that you have earned. That is not a separate uh, fee that you have paid as an investment expense uh, in that in, in the tax deduction sense. Okay, okay. Sad but true, eh? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you still do, like I said, you still do receive benefit from it, and the benefit is that that is simply less re- return, <laughs> which is not a benefit except in a tax sense. Yes, okay. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate the yep. information and enjoying the show. Thanks, John. Thanks for listening. Let's uh, move on. We'll stay on the phone lines and say good morning to Mark in Gulfport. Mark, it's your turn. Go ahead. Hi, good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Um, and going back to the stimulus, uh, you know, the COVID relief questions, my wife recently gave birth to a baby boy in 2020. And uh, I was just curious, you know, are we going to receive the stimulus package for the newborn um, for both cycles or just for one cycle? Or, um, and, you know, given we do receive it, I'm sure it'll, you know, that'll be on the new taxes that we submit for 2021. So, um yeah, just kind of curious if we're going to receive the COVID relief package for the newborn. 
Well, congratulations, first of all, and hopefully you. uh, you're sleeping well by now. Uh, working on it. We have two on <laughs> Working two, on it. So. <laughs> well, um, you getting her rest on muster. Absolutely. Well, you should still qualify. That child should still qualify for some portion. Now, I'm not sure based on when that baby was born. What's his birthday? August 12th. August 12th. So I'm uh, I'm not sure if, if because it's past the first CARES Act if that would qualify, but um, you still should qualify for the second one. The problem is it's probably not going to show up in your bank account like it normally would with everybody else because that child wasn't in existence for the previous year and was not on your taxes. So it's probably going to happen that you file your taxes for 2020 at the beginning of this year, and there will be a credit available to you at that time. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Mark. Good to hear from you this morning. And again, congratulations on the new addition to your family. And I want to uh, just add, because we've had two calls which have, you know, just particular circumstances uh, for tax purposes that have changed since last year. You know, one person has, you know, grown his household. One person has moved to a nursing home and possibly is a dependent adult on someone's taxes, possibly is not. For folks who have had a change in their tax status, um, they, you know, they while they still may be entitled to that uh, benefit uh, to the um, stimulus check, they, you know, like Nancy said, they're not necessarily in the system the way that they are now. You know, as of January first, you know, they they will be filing with a, a dependent child with another dependent child. But again, since they've never done that before and that wasn't on their previous taxes, you know, the IRS doesn't necessarily automatically know that. I mean, unless you you know send them a postcard from the uh, from the uh, hospital when they're born, but people don't usually do that. So um, if you've had a change, uh, then you it may take you longer to get your kind of what you are entitled to. It may be on the next taxes that you make it up. Those are going to be the, the iffy edge cases that always have questions. It's an open topic show today. We've got a lottery ticket to scratch off during the next segment. Stay tuned to see what we win. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio.
I'm Walt Grayson. You can now listen to the wild, weird, and wonderful stories of Mississippi with Mile Marker. The first question that we get when someone comes in is, how is the Ulysses S. Grant Presidential Library in Mississippi? Join me as we hit the roads of Mississippi on Mile Marker. We have every letter Grant ever wrote and every letter ever written to him. You can listen by going to mpbonline.org slash radio or by using your favorite podcasting app, Mile Marker, a Mississippi Roads podcast. Money Talks is MPB Think Radio's personal finance broadcast. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taft, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. They are both chartered financial analysts. Ryder holds the Certificate in Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. Before we turn our attention to the lottery, uh, Nancy, do you have any thoughts on the most recent jobs report? I guess this would have been from December, uh, and uh, anything stand out to you on that? Well, the big standout is that we flipped over into losing jobs. And um, we had seen a bounce back um, as we started to gain jobs back after the shutdown, uh, even though it was slowing down. And in December, we lost 140,000 jobs. Now, someone looked at the data, and I don't know how they determined this, but they determined that 16,000 jobs were added for men and 156,000 jobs were lost by women. So that 140,000 lost represents all um, losses among women. Now, we do know a lot of women are leaving the workforce because it's just become so difficult to try to manage school and childcare with children if you don't have the ability to work at home. But even working at home is difficult with kids underfoot. And so we're starting to see the the workforce is changing in shape due to this pandemic. But this loss is something that's really not unexpected at this point. Um, We think we'll start to gain back. We do have to get to a point where the vaccine is distributed widely before people will really start to circulate and we will see those uh, recoveries in jobs. And when we talk about jobs lost, it would be either, I guess, voluntarily or, or not. I mean, maybe if you lost your job uh, yes. due to the pandemic, but here, as you're suggesting, a lot of uh, women may have voluntarily left their job to handle their situation at home. That could be. And if employers don't then turn around and rehire, that's where it's netted out. All right. Uh, MississippiLotteryHome.com is the website for the Mississippi Lottery. Uh, the next drawing is Wednesday, January 13th at 9.59 p.m. for at least $550 million. That's a lot of cash. Uh, for Mega Millions, the drawing is the 12th. That's today at 10 p.m., at least $615 million. It's only the third time in history that both the Mega Millions and Powerball games are both above the $400 million mark at the same time and the first time since 2018. So, Nancy, uh, how much paper money are we talking about if someone were to win both jackpots? Oh, it's a lot. But, you know, I never win anything, Kevin. (laughs) But if you did, if you stack that $100 bills all the way up with those winnings, you would reach the top of the formerly Sears Tower. That's a lot of hay. That is. That would would be... uh... That's a lot of bills, that's for sure. And they'd all be $100 bills. Wow, that's, uh, that's amazing. Uh, so, Ryder, what are our chances of winning? Yeah, so um, for the 
Mega Millions and um, things like that, uh, the Mega Millions and the Powerball, uh, they actually do publish the uh, the odds. I was just looking for those on the um, on their site. They have the, they have the specific odds, but let's just say it's very unlikely. Um, you you know, being struck by lightning 250 times is more likely. Um, you know, just a casual household uh, injury in the bathroom uh, w would be a. 30,000 times more likely for that to happen. Um, you're vastly more likely to get an eaten, by, eaten by a shark than to win the lottery. Um, now, I do know which one I would prefer, and if I stay <laughs> on land and spend money spend money in $2 increments in gas stations, I'm probably less likely to die in a shark attack, but um, you know that is just where the odds stand. Uh, my thought would be if you survive being struck 250 times by lightning, they should just give you the lottery money. Uh, that's for sure. Uh, all right, so this is exciting. Liz uh, Gill, our producer, purchased two scratch-off tickets. We're going to scratch them off here in just a minute. Uh, she's agreeing that all four of us share the winnings equally. That's me, Nancy, Ryder, and Liz, just so there's no confusion or misunderstanding. We're going to hold that off, though, because we have a caller on the line. It's... Uh, Elvia calling in from Bude. Good morning. You're on the air with us. Go ahead. You need to have your radio turned down and just talk to us through your phone. All right. Let me put that back on hold if we could uh, make sure that she understands that. So actually now we will go ahead. Uh, we've got uh, the uh, Gold Rush and Valentine's Day doubler were both introduced on January 5th. The website MississippiLotteryHome.com notifies you when the games are launched, what the odds are, and how many of the prizes remain unclaimed. And in the Valentine's Day one, which I'm going to scratch off first, uh, there appear to be quite a few uh, prizes remaining. So I don't have a coin. But I'm the jinx. I'm the jinx, Kevin. I never win anything. <laughs> well, we'll see can here. We, can we drop Nancy from the call real quick? <laughs> yeah, that's the only can, way you That way win. we can just split it. We can split it three ways instead. Does that, right. that sound good, Liz? Yeah? <laughs> I don't have a coin, but I have a paper clip. So I'm scratching off here just to get set the scene. And I'm not really sure exactly how these works, but Liz told me to scratch off everything. So I've scratched off one heart, and it says 18. Now I've got a 16. I think we have to match the number here, obviously. Three more scratches to go. That's a 13. Oh, that's bad. And we got a 25. I think I have one more chance to match. There's the three. Oh, but it's a 23. All right. So apparently we didn't win on that. Um, I, th I told you. And then, oh, wait, I'm sorry. I th then you match the winning number which is 24, so we still didn't win. I said we have five chances to win because there's five hearts that you scratch off, and you have to match the winning number, which I revealed in the wrong way. <sighs> yeah, that's so, yeah, we missed it uh, twice. By We had two 25s, and it was 24, so we were very close. All right, there's another one to go, but I think we have Elvia from Bude back on the line. Uh, you're on the air with us. Go ahead. Yes, I recently became the, the caregiver for my mother, who's, uh, who's 85, and she she received a statement from the IRS saying that she uh, had a balance due. Uh, she get, received a previous check from Mississippi Pierce, and on the check it has uh, federal tax exempt. Okay, so she was a state employee, and because you said a PERS check, right? And um, 
And so you're saying that she does have income and that the IRS says you owe taxes on that? Yes. Well, that could be the case. Um, Mississippi does well, not well, tax. Well, well, she, she's, I'm sorry. She's retired. She doesn't work. Right. But, Missis, but so if she, she's um, receiving uh, income, though, Mississippi does not tax retirement income. So that PERS check wouldn't be subject to Mississippi income tax, but it is subject to federal income tax. But, but, but on the, on the uh, statement, check, on the check stub, it says federal tax exempt. Let me throw in hmm. one other thing. So I'm not exactly sure why it would have said federal tax exempt. That's, you know, without seeing that, that's not exactly clear to me. Um, but PERS would send, you know, a, a tax form to the IRS. And if, uh, and, and sometimes what happens is even if you don't owe taxes on what is on there because you know just the you know I hate to just fall on the crutch of you know taxes are extraordinarily complicated but they are and you know one thing we see a lot of times is you know the IRS doesn't necessarily provide perfect guidance for companies or organizations like purse sending out um, money to folks and so you know they just they send the IRS a statement that says okay we sent her twenty thousand dollars the IRS does not know Without you filing taxes, they do not know for certain what your taxes owed on there. I mean, they could calculate it themselves, let's be honest, but they just don't. And so they look at it and they just hit it with whatever they expect your top rate would be. And they kind of take a guess at that. And they just say, well, this is how much tax you owe. You need to send it to us. Now, that might not be true, but if you have not filed taxes to show them that it's not true, you know, you need to file taxes and say, yes, I received, you know, X number of dollars from this pension, but it was X um, of, of, of not taxable dollars, you know, things like that. So that could start, be the issue. Um, uh, let me jump in, Ryder. I would start by contacting PERS, and you probably need your mom there with you so that she can get permission for them to talk to you. Wow. And they can pull their records to find out what they reported to the IRS. And that's going to be your starting point, and then you're probably going to have to go to the IRS to figure out what exactly she does owe. Uh-huh. Okay, well, thanks a lot. Good luck. All right. Thanks for your call. It's an open topic day today. What do you want to discuss? We'll close out the show and scratch off our other lottery card next. Will we win anything? We're waiting with bated breath. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. from the University of Mississippi School of Law, host of In Legal Terms. If you're enjoying this podcast, 
I encourage you to listen to In Legal Terms, the show about you and your rights. We find interesting legal topics to bring to you and let you know how the law affects you. Find In Legal Terms on any podcasting platform on your smart device or on our website, inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. I'm Scott Simon. If you've raised children, you know the best way to address fear is with truthful information, calmly and comfortingly delivered. That's what NPR News always tries to do in times of crisis, too. That old car in your driveway can actually help us. By donating it to this station, you'll turn your car into more solid information brought to you by voices you trust. Here's how. Donate your car, motorcycle, boat, or RV by going to mpbonline.org. We're glad you found our show, Money Talks. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives and Ryder Taft, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. All right, we've got another card here, and I did a little advance notice. We, we're trying to match one of these four numbers, 11, 21, 6, or 31. And on this card, we have 15, so I'm going to try to do these real quick here. This is the Gold Rush, the $5 card. Uh, one, nope, that's not it. 22, very close, but no dice. 16, no good. 36, no. 8, didn't do it. 4, that's not one of ours. 37, no. Nancy, you need to hang up before we lose this one, too. I know. 30, uh uh-uh. 17, no, we're getting so close. It's always just above or below it. What's this one? 40, no go. Our last row, 38, nope. So there's a lesson here. 33. Tell us, Nancy. Um, spend your $2 elsewhere. <laughs> 23. Well, this one was $5, That's Nancy. Right. What, would you, what would you do with $5? Oh, I could do all kinds of things with $5. Well, like make a long-distance phone call? No. Um, uh, I could have a, a wonderful cup of coffee with a Danish um, and savor that for an hour with a friend. Well, but we are, we are savoring this $5 for an hour with thousands, hundreds of thousands of Mississippians. So I think, I, I you think know, that was on the whole, that like, might be a bigger trade. 30 seconds worth of entertainment. We've been, hype, we've been hyping it up all show, Nancy. Well, and the uh, sad yeah. part is we did not match. You know, I, I don't know if they do this on purpose, but we had on here uh, 23, and our number was 21. We had 22. Our number was 21. We had 10, and our number was 11. It's almost like they purposely give you numbers that are oh, so close because yeah. it's like, oh, gosh, I'm going to buy another card because I know that's the one I'm going to win on. Exactly. So we uh, unfortunately did not win, uh, but uh, I will say for five dollars you do have a lot of chances on that one card there. So, uh, but uh, you know, please play the re- lottery responsibly. Uh, if it's a little bit of fun and you have some extra cash, that's one thing. Uh, but I certainly wouldn't go, at, uh, you know, uh, um, putting a lot of money in there because, as we said, the odds of winning uh, the big ones, but even some of the smaller ones, are, are pretty astronomical. Uh, and I will just say, a lottery is actually a tax. Bear that in mind. <laughs> 
Well, it is a fun tax. I'll say that much. <laughs> okay. We've got a caller on the line. It's uh, from Pascagoula. Brother Daniel has called in. Good morning. You're on the air with us. Go ahead. Hey, my favorite crew. Uh, listen, I got, well, to answer your question on the, the scratch-off, the good thing is they sometimes I'll have a little extra bonus thing. You see a bell or something like that, you'll double your money. And, uh, you know, I take some of the numbers and use it for my lottery. It's done pretty good on that. But what I was calling for was why is it such a hard time? I wish we wouldn't have so much conflict, you know. I love Mississippi the way it's going now, and I wish the country would go the same way. Um, why is it such a conflict on the stimulus when we know how the stimulus, even though we really ain't got no money, we know how the stimulus worked on our economy last time when we got the first one. And, uh, I mean, other countries are rolling out the money, even though they have a harder restriction, but they are, they're, they're growing. And we seem to be going the opposite way. You know, uh, the ones that are making the policy, they got their money. It seems like their salary, it's not affecting them where it is affecting the ones that are out of work you know, disabled, you know, um, that's, and, and, and it's kind of, it's kind of confusing. I had a young child, 13 years old, ask me, why do adults go through so much confusion and conflict over the dollar bill when we know that the dollar bill is a circle and it goes around and around and around and comes back in, just like the scratch-off. He said, when you do the scratch-off, isn't that for highway and education? I said, you know what, you're right, it is. So the more money we put into our lottery, the more money comes into Mississippi anyway, just like if you was paying a dollar tax, here you're paying $2 and $5, and it's coming back into the community. Why can't the government do the same thing? Any thoughts, uh, Nancy Ryder, on the the difficulty in negotiating this uh, second round of stimulus? Well, it's certainly true that we need more fiscal stimulus. Um, But the best fiscal stimulus is the kind that gets spent, which is what Brother Daniel mentioned. You know, when it gets spent and put back into the community and goes around and around and around, that helps us the most. Um, So I do believe we need more stimulus. I think it needs to be more targeted. We've seen some more help for our small businesses. Our small businesses need additional help. And we also can look back and see that those one-time payments were not as effective as the additional weekly amounts that went to unemployed people. Because those unemployed people, when they got extra cash, they spent it. But a lot of people who were still working and receiving an income tucked it away. So that's the difference. All right. I'd like to end on something. Uh, Ryder, uh, this is a term I've not heard in a, in a long time, and that is Bitcoin. Our producer, Liz Gill, noticed how high the value of Bitcoin was last week, so she included it in a part of our discussion today. Uh, but the last few days, the value has decreased, or some might say plummeted. Um, you're our resident Bitcoin expert, newly appointed. Uh, any idea what's going on there? Oh my! Um, yeah, let's sure. Let's save the last uh, two minutes for one of the biggest, most complicated topics we have. Um, yeah, that's great. Um, Bitcoin. So, 
It is a lot of different things to different people. Uh, it is kind of touted as a kind of an electronic currency, a cryptocurrency, because it relies on um, the kind of underlying technology and programming is is uh, very has a lot of elements of cryptography. It is very secure uh, in kind of how the coins are generated and how they are transferred and spent. Um, it uses immense computing power to do that. Um, so those, you can trade them. There are websites you can go to trade dollars for Bitcoin and a variety of other coins now. And, you know, we have talked about this before. We have never really covered it in depth. But yes, uh, the price of a Bitcoin went up to about $40,000, maybe sometime last week. And um, it had come up from maybe 30000 at the end of last year, up to 40000 a week ago. And then it kind of crashed uh, down to 30000 very dramatic fashion. It's kind of bounced back up. I'm just looking at it now. It's about $34,000. But um, a lot of the market dynamics here, you know, keep in mind uh, one of the only two useful lessons from all of economics, that price is a function of supply and demand. And you know, one thing about Bitcoin is it's it's not actually it, it's actually kind of thinly traded. Even though you can see a pretty good volume going on, there are not that many coins out there. There's not a whole lot of capacity out there, um, but there does appear to be a lot of demand. And so, especially when only a few of those coins are trading, something like 15% of all coins are the ones that are trading, not the rest of them. So when only some of them are trading, when you're only pricing on some of them trading, it does make the whole look a lot more valuable. Um, so that's kind of why you see that dramatic um, volatility in that market is a function of that liquidity. Well, that might uh, be something that uh, in the new year we could uh, dig into because uh, it's uh, pretty fascinating to me. But that is all the time we have for today. Money Talks is a production of MPB Think Radio, funded in part by generous financial support from you, our listeners. To hear today's show or previous show, you can visit moneytalks.mpbonline.org or listen to the podcast. Search for Money Talks on your favorite podcasting app. Our show is produced by Liz Gill, and our call screener today was Lisa Lancaster. For Dr. Nancy Lodger-Janderson and Ryder Taff, I'm Kevin Farrell. Join us every Tuesday at 9 for Money Talks. It's heard only on MPB Think Radio. for MPB comes from Trustmark, a financial partner for businesses throughout the South for 130 years. Trustmark offers a range of products and services designed to help small businesses efficiently manage finances. More info at Trustmark.com, member FDIC. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.